Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Nothing But Net. We're recording here on Thursday, the 16th of March. Um, we have a great show coming up. We have myself, Evan, and we got the full squad here. And we're going to talk about some updates in the past week in the NBA. Uh, most notably, the big things we're going to touch on is some updates around the John Morant situation, as well as uh, that wild, wild Western Conference and how things may shake out there as we're getting into the, the final stretch of the NBA season, which is super exciting and, and getting into playoffs soon, which is awesome. But first, we will head into our first quarter segment. This is a segment we like to do called Who's Hot and Who's Not. So each toast will get a chance to talk about a team or a player who's been hot, so playing really well since the last time we recorded, and then also someone who's not, who's been on kind of a downswing. Um, so I will throw it over to you first, Nick. Who do you have for your hot player or team first and then you're not hot second uh for my hot uh player i got a uh, De'Aaron fox he's been kind of i think uh i saw the stat he leads the league in uh clutch points this season i think so it's like a hundred and i want to say 40 something and then you might want to add like three to it from like last night or the night before. Mm. So um he's been lighted up a big reason why you know they're um in the position that they are so I just think that he's taken a, a really big step um, and become, I wouldn't say like a superstar, but definitely putting himself uh, more towards that category than uh, than he was in the past. Uh, for the not, if you hadn't seen, uh, front uh, MVP frontrunner uh, Nikola Jokic's defense the other night, he was just kind of letting people blow past him. So I don't know if that's fatigue, if that's just him playing, you know, I guess long-term basketball but definitely uh definitely weird to see um i guess in, it, it's just weird to see especially a big man with that size like you'd think he'd be able to bang around um in the middle there and, and at least take some contact sometimes but he just kind of was moving out the way like it was an all-star game so <laughs> um i think that's a really telling thing i think for him in the mvp race i think that brings a lot of big questions um, and I almost think that paves the way for Joel Embiid uh, to maybe get the award. So I would say he's my uh, who's not right now, just because um, I think that really hurt his MVP conversations. Yeah, I think for De'Aaron Fox, he has been on a crazy streak, like you said, especially with those clutch points. And I know they're adding that clutch player of the year award this year for the NBA. Um, and it, that looks like an award that is clearly front uh that Darian Fox is clearly the front runner for at this point and you know with only 10 or so more games for most teams I think he's gonna lock up that award which I think will be really interesting to see you know if he takes that momentum and I don't know I'm just interested to see how that award kind of goes down in the history of things it it I don't know how much people are going to talk about it but it, it is cool to see especially with him in the first year kind of really being that runaway player um and for your not hot, I also kind of agree with you about Jokic and specifically the Nuggets. 
Um, so I'll hop into mine. And I had for my hot team, I had the Denver Nuggets. Um, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, their last four games, they've lost. They're on a four-game losing streak now. Um, luckily, they're still uh, out and ahead the best team in the West. They built that up earlier in the season. Um, and a big part of that was that their defense had been improved. Now in these last four games, um, they've lost to the Bulls, the Spurs, the Nets, and the Raptors, which at this point in the season, none of those teams are um, great, <laughs> especially with the Nets um, being the best of the team. And they traded away Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And a lot of those, uh, there's been a lot of highlights playing, like you stated, Nick, of people just going at Jokic, people like Zach Collins on the Spurs and uh, like Vucevic on the the Bulls. And it was really interesting because there's been a lot of talk the past couple of years early in his first two years in the MVP talk about, well, Jokic is not a good defender. And then this year he got significantly better just except for these last four games. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. And I'm interested to see, you know, if it is maybe just, Hey, maybe they're taking it a little bit slow here so that they, you know, don't burn themselves out before the playoffs. I'm hoping yeah. that's what it is, and it's not indicative of something deeper. Um, the, but the, sorry, yeah, I have to but the big thing is effort. You know what I mean? I think that's mm-hmm. the like when you think of the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you have to be in the right the right spot at the right time. You have to understand what's developing, but a lot of it's effort. You know what I mean? I think you look at somebody like Russell Westbrook. Like he just has so much effort. He may not be mm-hmm. the most efficiently off efficient player when it comes to offense, but. Um, like defensively it, and just energy wise, he's, you know, he puts so much effort into the game. So when you see a guy just kind of turn away and let somebody blow past him, especially guys who are not even close to the caliber of player that he's supposed to be, it's one of those things that you look at and you kind of question like really what's going on. And like you said, whether or not they're just coasting and trying to save energy and, but it just, it still doesn't look good i guess for somebody who's supposed to be an mvp caliber player you got to put in that effort night in and night out yeah and that flows into uh that mvp race and how it's tightening up like you mentioned and for me i had my hot team as the philadelphia 76ers um they did beat the Cavs last night of course Cavs without jared allen um but they played a good game joel Embiid has been great all season long he's leading the nba in scoring as a center which and we know how many great scorers there are in the NBA. So it's certainly not easy to do that. Um, But even just since January 1st, they have been the second best offense right behind the Sacramento Kings. Um, And that margin is very slim and they've been in the top 10 in defense as well. So I think really they had a slower start. They were down, you know, fifth or sixth seed. And a lot of people were worried about them at the beginning of the season. But if I'm looking at them heading into the playoffs, it's what you always talk about of like, reaching your peak at the right time and when i'm watching them right now they are a scary team to me um you know of course being a Cavs fan but if i'm a celtics or bucks fan too i'm scared of what of what they can do especially you know with harden and with them going into the playoffs they're probably gonna have that extra motivation of you know they haven't they haven't gotten to the finals they haven't gotten to be champ to be you know nba champions and that's something that gets talked about a lot and so they have that extra motivation so They've been hot for me right now, um, and that's why I think that MVP race is is tightening up. Whereas I think you know a couple weeks ago or a month ago, if you ask most people, 
a lot of people would say, yeah, it's Jokic's award again. And now I think it's tightening up. And I think Giannis is in that race as well. Um, but David, did you have either similar or different teams for or players for your hot and not uh, for a second? Um, for, I would say kind of like the not hot is I'm going to go a little bit different and go college basketball real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say Virginia. They oh. have not had the most successful career against oh man, <laughs> oh, man. against teams that are ranked pretty much 10 or higher they were ranked the number 1 seed and they lost to the 16 seed what was it 5 years ago now yeah i think exactly 5 years to this yeah. day yeah. yeah and then they literally lost today to Furman so it's a two way street and almost everyone's brackets got screwed um <laughs> So that's a tough loss too. Like I yeah, like just a mental error by a young, you know, a young kid. Like that's uh that's tough. Cause he yeah. should have just he should have just held on to the ball and taken the eight second violation and they would have had like maybe a second left to to make some sort of play, but yeah, it's a tough mm-hmm. one. And then the hot would probably go to Furman because it's like who, who <laughs> thought they would have won? It's like it's kind of like USBC or whatever that college was with that one against Virginia, no one ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. And then here they come under the spotlight of probably the biggest college stage, figuratively and literally. <laughs> it's like 64 teams deep. Um, and they beat one of the better basketball programs out there. Yeah, one thing you can say about Virginia in these past few years, they've been uh, putting some of these smaller schools on the map which I'm sure they don't like to be known for. But yeah, I was watching the end of that Furman game um, and they were talking about how they hadn't even been to the NCAA tournament in 40 years. um, And they ended up winning, getting the win against Virginia. So that's huge for them. Um, I loved their post game interview with the player that made that three. um, And he was just like, they were asking, you know, why did this team, why was it this team that was able to, to do what, you know, your past teams haven't done and, I thought it was really interesting because he's like, this team is so good because we're so close and we play for each other and we love each other um, and we have fun together. And I just think that's interesting because that's not something you hear a lot in, in post-game pressers. And he was just really talking about the closest of this team. And, you know, as we talk about a lot on this show, the NBA, um, sometimes you don't see that as much as as you see with these college guys. And I think that was really good to see. And with a lot of those bigger programs, um, you know, it's it's more one and done now. And, of course, these guys at Furman, most of them, I'm, I'm sure probably not any of them are going to be drafted this year. And so they're all playing for each other, getting to know each other for two, three, four years. Um, <laughs> and when they get their moment, they were able to, to make something really magical happen, which is what we always, I think, love about March Madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's funny because I was just like so I've been messing around with like sports betting and stuff since I came to Ohio, mm. and I was like just as like a joke I was like I'll put a dollar on Furman to win, <laughs> and I want I want they won. What did so that was, get you? It only got me five dollars and seventy cents, but it That's was still good cool. return though for a dollar. It is pretty good. I was like, dang, I should have put like hundred dollars down. But no, it's it's the it's it definitely a cool story, and I I love hearing those like things because 
you know, it's it's hard it's hard to get people to to play for each other to to like vibe that well in sports now because I think a lot of it's about money, especially with NIL and stuff and college sports and everything. And especially when you get to the pros, I mean, it's all about you got to get your bag no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the breakup of Kyrie and Kevin Durant and just how like selfish people can be in those situations. And, um, you know, you see with NFL free agency right now, people are changing teams like crazy. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like I think I think when you have a team like that of guys who are vets who have played together for a long time, like Evan said, and they play for each other and they play hard um, and they love one another like brothers. I mean, that's a, um, or family, I should say, cause there's more than just men's sports, but um, when they, when they love each other, like a family, I think that that really, that really shows. And in, in in this is a team. And when you beat a Virginia team, that's considered, you know, one of the top 15 teams in the country um, and college basketball this year is not as like there's not a team that blows anybody out of the water mm-hmm. in college basketball. So it's not like Virginia was much worse than those above them. So I'm not saying Furman's going to go all the way, but, you know, this season would be the season for lower seeded teams to go further in this tournament. I think just because of how college basketball is so spread out this year, there's not like there's not a team that has, you know, three top five picks um mm-hmm. on their team this year so um and with the one and done and you know kids are they're 18 19 years old in college basketball right now in some of these bigger schools you're banking on the fact that a lot of these guys are going to make you know good basketball decisions at the end of games and we saw that it just didn't happen so i think that's uh i don't know maybe Furman will make a run and david will keep saying that that that's his uh hot team for <laughs> the next couple months hey next maybe <laughs> I would love to see it. I'm on, I'm hey, fully on their bandwagon right now. <laughs> For Virginia too, I think I I'm not a huge I can't say I'm a huge college basketball watcher, but um I do know a lot of Virginia's strategy is again different from a lot of the strategy of the NBA is they're really going to grind you down defensively. And they try to have these low scoring games, and the analysis on the on the broadcast was talking about this could be why they're susceptible to these upsets because a lot of times in these upsets, what happens is these, you know, teams just tend to get hot. And if they're Virginia is more focused on the defensive end um, and, you know, teams just start making shots, that's going to happen at some points. And if you don't have the offensive, whether it's, you know, players versatility or, or your schemes just not built to, to score a ton of points. I think that is why it leads them susceptible. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, after this, now obviously their coach that they had in between, I'm pretty sure in between the UMBC loss and this, they won a national championship. So they have had some success, but at the same time, it'll be interesting to see if they change up, you know, their philosophy at all. If they try to, you know, become a more balanced team or if they kind of still lean into this defensive first identity. And if it, you know, in, in future March Madness tournaments, if it continues to kind of bite them in that way. So we'll move on to our second quarter here. Uh, This is when we talk about our home team. All of our favorite team here is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So a little update since the last time we talked. Uh, The Cavs are now 44 and 28 um, with 10. They have 10 games left in the regular season. As I mentioned earlier, they did lose a close game last night against the 76ers. Uh, They were without Jared Allen in that game, um, which made it, you know, it was a good effort that they were able to stick in it. But ultimately... A uh, couple calls down the down the end of the game, um, and Philly just got hot, and they weren't able to get that win. 
Uh, one thing I was interested in after their last win, though, they met their they equaled their win total from last year. So that kind of made me think, you know, going into the season, we had the Donovan Mitchell uh, acquisition. And of course, that raised everyone's expectations from last year. But I wanted to ask you guys, you know, at this point in the season, about 10 games left, looking like they're going to be firmly in that four seed. Has this ten, has this Cavs team met your expectations so far this year, or have they either exceeded or um, not met your ask, expectations so far? I will throw it to David first on this question. Um. Well, first off, screw the refs from last night. I was actually at that game. <laughs> um, I did see your Snapchat. That looked that looked like a nice view right on the center court there. Yeah, and then wait till you actually see the next one. Um, but I won't go into the details of that one um anyways so i think that they have met the expectations on that um because now it's just okay they've made the playoffs i i think that um anyone who expected a championship win this year is kind of (laughs) delusional like even at the start of the season it's like that team, yes, is a playoff winning team. However, they're not there yet. I think that they needed one more player. And I think we all said that before, uh, like early in the season as well. Um, but otherwise, as it sits right now, um, they have done very well and have met my expectations. All right. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. Nick, what do you think? What's your opinion on that one? It's tough because, like, I mean, I think we're in the play. We're going to be in the playoffs, right? So I think expectations are are met there. You know what I mean? I think I've always said that I they need to at least make it to the second round for me to be like, okay, we're improving as a mm-hmm. you know as a franchise. I think that's that's definitely doable, but I just I feel like. And I said it a bunch, I'll say it again. I think the biggest regret that I would have as a front office is not adding another pick in and sending Laurie Markin in a way. I think that's probably where I'm at with that is that they don't have a guy that can play the three spot. You know, I, I, I like Karis Levert. I like, you know, Okoro, but I think those are off the bench, you know, guys who could still give you like 20, 25 minutes a night. That's fine, but they're just more off the bench guys. They're not they shouldn't be the guys closing out games for you at that three spot, unfortunately. And it's like, I think you're going to miss, I think they're going to miss a guy like that. And I think if they had a guy like that, I think that we should expect them to go to the NBA finals. Cause I think you have a guy, you would have a guy in Donovan Mitchell can give you, you know, 30 plus a night, sometimes, you know, 71. <laughs> um, and you have a guy in Darius Garland who I don't think is as prolific as a scorer, but he could give you 20, 20 a night. Mm-hmm. I think if, when Evan Mobley is is hitting at his best, he could give you 20 a night. And I think Jared Allen is a guy who could give you 12 and 15 a night. I think that that's a pretty solid night for him. But you don't have another guy who can take over offensively. So if they if they go ahead and they just, you know, scheme to stop Donovan Mitchell and they give him trouble, there's not really another guy on this team that could take over a game and really lead us in scoring. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're going to miss. Um, obviously not having Jared Allen last night against, you know, the Sixers hurts because that 
kind of he's a guy that could help slow down Joel and beat a little bit, um, put some defensive pressure on him. I just think that, you know, Mobley's not refined defensively enough yet and his frame just isn't built to stop a guy like that on the inside <laughs> um unfortunately that's why you have a guy like jared allen but i i don't know i mean i'm i'm super happy i think we're definitely in a better spot than what we were a year ago we have a bona fide superstar which we haven't had since lebron left <laughs> you know um i think that's uh we're in a way better spot the organization has made you know a ton of great decisions since then, I think, like I said, I think the only critique I've had um, since LeBron left was just the contract they gave Kevin Love and then trading away Laurie Marketing. I think that's that's a pretty good, you know, track record since then. And they've really built a good young team that, that could be a good young team going forward. So I think that, you know, this is I'm I'm happy. I, I mm-hmm. wish I wish that we I wish that we would have won that game last night because it would have made me feel better about saying that I that I think they can make it to the conference finals. I still think if they're if they're all playing if they're hundred percent healthy and they're all playing at their best, I think this is a team that could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But again, if a team shuts down Donovan Mitchell, I just don't know who steps up to be the main scorer. And I think that's the main problem that we have. And they'll have to try to address that in the offseason. But I'm I'm happy. I am. I think I think we had a good season. Yeah, I would agree with both of you guys. I would say, for me, um, I would say they have met my expectations so far. Um, one thing that I didn't really realize until I heard this um, on a Cavaliers podcast that I listened to, the Cavs this year have had the second most, uh, essentially second most minutes missed due to injury, um, which seems crazy. I think they were one or two last year as well. Um but what's so interesting about it this year is last year, those injuries all kind of piled up at the end of the season and really took them down with a Jared Allen injury and a Darius Garland injury. Um, but with them having the second most minutes missed due to injury and still being able to be you know, at that four seed right now, I think going into the season, yes, the Cavs had a you know big splash going for Donovan Mitchell, but at the same time, I think a lot of people knew the Eastern Conference was going to be tough. I mean, we knew Boston, Milwaukee, Philly were going to be up at the top. There was a lot of talks about, you know, is Atlanta going to be better than the Cavs this year? They added DeJounte Murray. Are the Raptors going to be better than the Cavs again? And for me going into the season, I was like, I would love to get home court advantage in the playoffs. But more than that, I would just love to avoid that playing situation completely. And right now it's looking like both of those situations are, are going to be the case. Um, and so I think with the fact that they've missed still a lot due to injury um, and in some of those games like this year, I'm pretty sure the Cavs have only lost one or two games out of like the 12 or 13 that Darius Garland has missed. Obviously, we have Donovan Mitchell where we didn't last year, but last year when we didn't have Darius Garland, we didn't really have a chance to win a game. Um, and last night, although they didn't win, I was encouraged by the fact that one, they could stick around with the Sixers without Jared Allen uh, and with Embiid playing as well as he did. I mean, he was on fire last night. I think he missed like three, four, five shots the whole game. Um, and so the fact that they were able to hang in there and also the fact that Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell didn't have good shooting games, 
and they were still able to hang in. Karis LeVert had a good game. Jetty Osmond had a good game. And the Cavs actually had 41 bench points, which for the Cavs, they're 29th in the league in bench points. Um, and so hopefully, you know, maybe it's that bench unit right now that's catching fire at the right time. So I was encouraged by a lot of those things. And I think I agree with you, Nick. I think that very well that they should be able to get into the second round. Um, I would have loved to see Brooklyn hang on to that five spot because I like the Cavs' chances against them a little bit more than I do against the Knicks. I like the Cavs to beat either of those teams, but the Knicks just scare me because they have you know more star power with Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, um, and Josh Hart all of a sudden like becoming that's an a, amazing shooter. That's a, so that's it's going to be a good matchup. And, yeah, and Brooklyn's been fun too. Like it, I think like those those two teams are super dangerous. In, you know, in the playoffs, I think like when people are going to go up against Brooklyn and be like, oh, just a young guy, just a bunch of young guys. They don't know. But I mean, like Cam Thomas can can catch fire. Mm-hmm. You have Brid- like Bridges and, and Bridges Dinwiddie. Bridges has been amazing since yeah. that trade too. And, and Dinwiddie is another guy that just he could give you like 30 out of nowhere for some reason. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, who's their big man? Um, Claxton. Claxton yeah he's he's a really good on the inside too so I mean I'm not saying they're going to win the championship but like that's a team first round you got to play them as a higher seed like you go into that game being like okay it's going to be four or five and we're out and then now you're in a you know a three three game mm-hmm. seven you got to play for your life like I think <laughs> I think that's a total possible situation with Brooklyn and and I think New York is a lot better than the Knicks are a lot better than what people give them credit for like Julius Randle is quietly just a super consistent guy who averages like 25 points a night. Like I think people mm-hmm. don't give him enough credit for how good he actually is. And Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart have made up for one of the better backcourts in the league right now, just how well they're playing. And I think uh, I, I want to call him JT Barrett, but that's not the right name. <laughs> RJ, RJ Barrett. RJ yeah. Barrett, yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> Um, but, but RJ Barrett has like, he can sit there and kind of grow and learn and, and develop. And I think when it comes to the playoffs, like he's going to hit some big shots and some big moments and really grow up. And I think, uh, this team looks, looks fun to watch in the playoffs too. Yeah. I've been impressed with, for the Knicks, I've been impressed with Emmanuel quickly off their bench too. Um, especially defensively, he came into the league kind of, I think out of Kentucky, he came into the league just as one of those kind of. Lou Williams types, you know, getting those buckets up off the bench, but he's been extremely good defensively. And that's why, you know, under Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau team, that's where you had to work hard to earn your minutes. And so all of a sudden he's like shot up the six man of the year rankings. And I think he's deserved a lot of that praise, but I, I agree with you, Nick, and that I would say, you know, whoever's playing the Knicks and the Nets in the first round, do not look past them. Um, you know, it's it's probably going to be the Cavs versus Knicks and Sixers versus Nets, um, but I'm I'm excited for those series. A little bit uh, nervous as a Cavs fan. Again, I think they can get past them, but they just they really need to play their best basketball. And any team that that matches up against those two teams, they're going to play hard every night. So you're going to have to come, um, you're going to have to come ready every single night against those teams, and really against most of the teams um, in the Eastern Conference. It's just so tough this year so it's going to be like a bloodbath once we get to the playoffs I think going into our third quarter and talking about some of our 
uh, biggest story updates for this time of year. Um, right now, uh, we wanted to give an update or and talk a little bit about the John Morant situation. So um, I think it was reported yesterday or two days ago that John Morant was suspended a total of eight games. Um, that does include the six games that he's already missed. Um, so he's suspended at least until this next Monday against Dallas. However, he'll probably be out a couple more games um, because during that time he was in a counseling center in Florida, um, you know, working on on himself and working on, by all accounts, his mental health and everything. And so, um, but he is after Monday, he is able to get back with the team. Um, he's now out of that uh, facility that he was in in Florida, and he had a, a sit down interview with Jalen Rose um, that I thought was was really interesting and. Kind of to sum it up, he really just said that he really apologized for for mistakes that he made. Um, also, to clarify, the NBA did an investigation. They found that um, he the gun that was in the video on Instagram Live was not Jaws' gun. Um, he also didn't travel with it. That was a big concern for a while because it is in the um, CBA, the the in the players' negotiations that if you have a gun on a team plane, it's a fifty game suspension. So it was found that that wasn't the case. Um, and so, but when he sat down with, with Jalen Rose, he just, he just talked about the fact that he, he realized kind of this, this all led up to this big moment and that he realized, you know, he's, he's been making some bad decisions. He wanted to, to better himself. And um, ultimately now after doing some work um, and, and entering that facility, uh, he feels mentally better than he has in the NBA. And he also um, said that he realized what he has to lose. And I think that's what we've talked about in previous discussions uh, about this subject is just, you know, we hope he realizes the impact he has on, you know, young people watching the NBA and also, you know, the star power that he has and what he has to lose. So it'll definitely be something that we're going to keep an eye on. Um but to all accounts, seems like Jaws putting in the work to, to better himself uh, in that way. I wanted to ask you guys, um, and again, this is kind of more more of an opinion thing and obviously personal um, you know, to him, but do you guys think with how much time is left in the season, you know, him coming back, not until next week, probably about eight or nine games left, you know, do you think it's too late for him to come back for them to really gel before the playoffs? Do you think it's too early? Do you think it's, you know, just the right time? I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts on that. So I'll throw that to Nick. I mean, I think when it comes to that team-wise, they'll be fine. I mean, they've been playing together. Mm -hmm. This is pretty much the same team from last year. So I don't think that's the issue. I think the biggest issue will be whether or not he decides to change the way he's been acting. I think that's Mm -hmm. the... That's the biggest thing. When you hear things coming out of the locker room, like uh, Stephen Adams saying, like, hey, we need to party less <laughs> when mm-hmm. we travel. I think that's a big thing. I, and this will say, too, unfortunately, <laughs> we recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago where we did talk about this, but it all got corrupted because Nick sucks with technology. Um, but in that, we talked about this. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that I didn't say that I've kind of thought about, too, was, you know, we we as the public and the fans and, you know, the media, whatever you want to call it, we kind of ripped into him for a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I do think that he deserves a little bit or a lot of the flack that he got from it. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, I think we have to realize, you know, this is a, 
and I can, we can say this because we're almost 30 at this point, you know, like he's, he's a young kid, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is, yeah. he has millions of dollars in the bank. You know, I think when you look around, like if one of us had that big influx, influx of money, right. We'd look around and be like, yo, these are my, this is, these are my people. These are my boys. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to bring them up. I'm going to bring them around. I'll make sure that they're set up. Right. That's, that's, that's what you do for, you know, your family, people that you're close with. The unfortunate part is if you've never surrounded yourself with like, you know, good quality people in your life and you surround yourself with, you know, people who aren't making good decisions that never made good decisions that now, now they know you got money and they're taking advantage of you. We saw that with, um, you know, the Browns and they drafted what, a oh man, running back. Trent, Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson. Oh, Trent Richardson. Like same thing with his family, right? They took mm-hmm. big advantage of him, put a lot of stress on him, and he wasn't able to focus on his career. And he really became one of one of the bigger busts in the NFL. So when you talk about John, this situation, this situation, like he's surrounding himself with people who are not good influences, who do not make good decisions, who put him in bad situations. Whether that's giving him a gun while he's intoxicated at a club, or mm-hmm you know, driving by in a car with him and being like, oh, let's point lasers at people and pretend it's guns. Um, Whether that's whatever the situation happened when he tried to beat up a 17 year old and flashed a gun with them at his house. You know what I mean? I think these are these are all things where he surrounded himself with people who are not good influences. And you and you could go somewhere and talk to somebody and you could get mentally right yourself. But it's that doesn't mean that it's going to change because hmm. sure that could, you could get locked in for two months, but what happens when the season's over, you guys are out of the playoffs and you're back hanging out with your boys that aren't good influences on you. And are you going to, are you going to fall right back into it? Like, what does that really mean? I think that's something that the Grizzlies and the NBA really need to look into and really need to talk to him and be like, listen, it, you, you have to choose to live a better life and surround yourself mm-hmm. with people who are going to make better decisions. And if you want to keep those guys around you, then they're going to have to start making better decisions and figure out their own lives as well, too. Like, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. It's a big thing about growing. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's where he's at. And and like he said, you know, he, he felt that he almost lost everything. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big motivator for some people. When you, when you have it all, when you're considered a superstar in the league, you know, he's at that point right now where I, I read somewhere, I guess if he misses too many more games, um, that he could potentially not make the all NBA team, depending on how many games he misses. And that's, I think he misses out on like a $39 million bonus or something like that. Yeah, I think that's the super max, uh, qualifier. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about like, not only have you tarnished your record, not only are people going to look at you a little sideways for a while, you're, you've missed out on, a, a ton of money um a light like let's life-changing money like today mm-hmm. if we got 50 million dollars i mean that's that's generational wealth for somebody in our situation let alone you know what i mean it, it i mean he's gonna make 50 millions of dollars more if he continues playing but i think that that's any regardless that's generational wealth you put that away that's that'll last forever um mm-hmm. if you're smart with it so i just i i hope that he I hope that he figured it out. I hope that he surrounds himself with people that are better influences. And if he's going to, if he's going to keep the people around, I hope that he's making them do the same work that he's doing on themselves um, and really take it seriously. Like, Hey, I'll keep you up. I'll make sure that, you know, you got what you, 
what what you need, but you gotta you gotta be there for me and be a good influence on me as well too. I think that's that's a big thing. Like I said, it's part of growth, and we'll have to see. I, I really hope that's that's what's happening, but um, I, I gotta see it. But team wise, they'll be fine. They'll gel. I mean, I don't I don't think that they'll miss a beat in in that regard. So, yeah, I think we we all agree with Nick in that you know we want the best outcome here, and we want to see you know John Morant you know, not have situations like this pop up and uh, continue to to be a successful basketball player, continue, you know, to be able to be a role model off the court as well. Um, but David, what are you, what are your thoughts? Anything to add on to, um, you know, what Nick, what Nick discussed? Uh, I'd have to agree about the team. Um, I think he covered that pretty well. I think for Ja, it good for him to get into the hospital or not the hospital, the ther- get in with a therapist and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think it's just once the season's over with, I think it's down to him to look at the people around him. And if he has to show someone the door, then he has to show them the door. Mm-hmm. Um, because 90% of what happened you have to blame on him because he put he surrounded himself with the people that he did mm-hmm. and yes they put him in that situation but it goes back to him agreeing to be with them at all and so i think he really needs to sit down and have that serious conversation with himself and any other person family or friend that he takes seriously and is looking out for the best interests for himself of himself uh, to have that conversation because it, it could be a the bad influence could not only just be friends. It could also be family too. Mm-hmm. It it's not just bad friends. It's sometimes bad family. So it's a matter of him having those hard discussions, see who's there for him see who's willing to help see him grow. And then, like I said before, him showing the door. Yeah. I think you make a good point too, David, in that, you know, all of us who are are speaking here, everyone that's probably everyone that's going to be listening. Most of the general public has no clue what it's like to be, um, you know, all of a sudden dropped this giant millions and millions of dollars um, you know, out of college, especially for Ja out of Murray State, you know, he wasn't one of the he wasn't one of those guys like Zion, like LeBron, where his whole life was kind of leading towards the NBA. Um, he was one of those ones that really, you know, caught on late with, you know, a great performance at Murray State um, and in March Madness and things like that. But he hasn't always been in the spotlight. So he was really kind of dropped right into this. And I don't think any of us know what that's like and i don't think anyone knows what that's like unless they've been in a situation similar to that so i think that's a really good point you make too and i think my thoughts on it is um i agree with you guys about the team um for them honestly they've been good pretty good without jaw these past two years i know last year it was something like they were crazy like 20 and 2 in games without john Morant. so they have learned how to play with him and and also they it's um they've been able to to revert back to playing 
they know how to play without him and they've been able to revert back to playing with him pretty seamlessly. So I think the team will, will be okay. Um, now what that means in terms of what their playoff success will be, it, it's tough to say because, you know, they're, they're at that, I think two or three right now. Um, and so the way the Western conference is, we'll talk about that in a second. They could get a pretty tough outing in the first round. Um, but I think, you know, I don't think their team will lose too much momentum during this time. But I will just say, I hope that Ja didn't feel the need to rush back. Um, I hope that, you know, he really does. I hope, like he said, that he really does feel mentally good. And I hope that he does feel like he's in a good space now and he's comfortable because as someone who's struggled with mental health issues myself, it can just, it can take a long time and it can take a different amount of time for different people. So I hope there was no feeling, you know, whether it's from just personal expectations or from the team, I don't, I don't think so, but I hope there was no feeling of like, I got to rush back from this because um, I think that pressure. And if he, if, if, if he isn't feeling quite right and he just says that he is, um, I think it could just lead to, you know, more problems for him down the line. Um, so I, I think it, I, and I think, and I hope that it is the right time for him to come back. You know, he, he was able, like um, we said, to get into that facility and from all accounts had, had great uh, professionals working with him there, but I hope, I hope he's not rushing back into it because um, I don't want to see that for him. Uh, I like to always remember that these athletes are people too, and they have huge amount of expectations on them. Yes. And he's being paid a huge amount of money, but I hope he's not putting that money or those expectations before his own, his own mental well-being. Um, and so I hope that he truly is in a good mental space. Um, and I hope that this is the right time for him to, to come back. And like I said, nothing, nothing has been, I haven't seen anything that, you know, he is rushing back, but I just hope that that's not the case. And I hope that all the best for him and in, in his, you know, uh, mental health and the best for his team's success. Um, I know he's an extremely fun player to watch. Um, and so I hope he's able to continue playing at a high level and I hope he's able to stay, stay mentally, um, good and mentally, uh, like you said, like he, if he, if he is the best state he's been in mentally, um, I really hope that's the case. And I hope he's not rushing back in any way. Um, Moving on and, and segueing a little bit into that Wild Western Conference and kind of, you know, who could the Grizzlies be matching up with? Right now with, again, most teams have about 10, 8 to 12 games left in the season. Right now between the sixth seed, which is the last spot that is in the playoffs proper, doesn't have to go through the play-in, and the 13th seed in the West, there's only a two-and-a-half game difference in the win-loss column. Um, and those teams right now are the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Mavericks, the Thunder, the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Pelicans. Um, so I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on, you know, how you think that race will end up shaking out. So first, you know, which of those seven teams gets that sixth seed and is able to kind of take a deep breath and avoid that win and you're in play in situation. And then after that, um, which of those four do you think are going to be the ones that ultimately get in that play in um, and 
are not going to be on the outside looking in and at least will have a chance to uh, play for their season. Um, I will go to David first. Um, just looking at the list right now, uh, it's I'm probably going to have to go either the Warriors, Timberwolves, or uh, maybe even uh, Warriors, Jazz, possibly, as surprising as that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I think that uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and the whole crew for the Golden State Warriors are just too good, at least not to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, the Utah J- Jazz have always have the entire season been a constant surprise for everyone. Here we thought they were going to be absolute garbage at the start of the season and now they're in the running for a possible playoff spot uh playing or not and even the lakers have surprised us from time to time they made a decent trade and they've looked up ever since and once lebron james comes back who knows and the timberwolves have just been I think the finally kind of like the the good semi decent Timberwolves that they always wanted to be just haven't had much success. All right, all right, that's interesting. I like. I'm interested in that Jazz pick because I know they're right on the edge, but I'm still trying to see. You know, are they really trying to get there, or are they trying to maybe lose a couple of games at the end of the season to get their lottery odds up? But um, so well, they you're have saying enough draft picks so that. I'm not too That's concerned. True. That's true. They they do have plenty of draft picks from the Timberwolves and from our own Cavs um, in the future to probably get lucky on one of those. Hopefully not on one of those Cavs picks. Um, <laughs> but what do you think, Nick? Um, the Jazz are not making the play-in. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'd be cool to see, but I just I don't I see the Jazz and the Pelicans. Those guys are. I think those are going to be your two teams that are out. I think the Warriors finish in the sixth seed. I just think that they're a little bit more complete. I'm not a big fan of the Timberwolves. I think I think th- th- this is what would say. If the Timberwolves fall, then I think you could see the Jazz and the Pelicans, one of those teams, mm-hmm. make a push into being that final spot in the play-in. Um, I, the Thunder, for whatever reason, are they're just hanging on and i'm not quite <laughs> sure like like shay shay is like holding that that's team. the reason <laughs> yeah like he's just a dude man I, I don't know so the the mavericks are an interesting one to me because you think they'd be a little bit higher like you'd think they'd be able to compete mm-hmm. for that sixth spot but i mean shocker shocker Kyrie's good but when you have two dudes who are ball dominant who are going to play iso ball all the time and not move the ball cool they can score 30 points each night but if they're not going to move the ball to anybody else who can score like what's the point like i just Mm -hmm. don't um i i I don't know i that's that's a tough one for me i i am interested in the lakers though because here's the thing they won and then instead of anthony davis playing again the team um scratched him against houston Mm -hmm. and they lost against the rockets which is not what you want to do you want to win that game because the more you win, the better chance you have of staying in the plan. And it's against the Rockets. 
You know what I mean? So to me, like go out there, play, win the game. I don't understand what we're doing. So these final 10 games, I think are super important for them, especially because I don't see LeBron playing in any of them except for maybe the final two. And I think that all depends on where they're at seating wise. So they're another team that like, if if they just decide not to play Anthony Davis, you know, for three or more of those last 10 games, like they're not going to win those games. Like I think they're at without Anthony Davis and LeBron, that's a, that's an okay team, right? Like D'Angelo Russell is, is an all right dude. I like D'Angelo Russell. Like I like the squad that they've put together, but they're basically the Rockets, you know what I mean? Or they're, <laughs> they're the thunder, but with a less good version of Shea, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's where they're at at this point without their two, their two stars. And if they don't play like it, I don't know. So they're, that's tough for me, but I think the Warriors have the six seed in lock. I think, I think the Mavericks will be in the play in. I see the thunder being in the play in. Um, I see, and I, I want to say the Lakers are going to be in the play in just because I want to see LeBron in the playoffs again. So for me, it's the, the Timberwolves and the jazz are probably the last two that would be in. Um, and I don't want to count them out cause they had a ton of success at the beginning of the season. So who knows, maybe they go on a run these last 10 games and they push themselves into the plan that I don't want to rule that out, but I just, I feel like the Timberwolves will kind of hang around. They're kind of like the thunder. They're just hanging around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we'll, that's what we'll see as the final four. Very nice. Very nice. I like it. I agree with you on the warriors, even though they have been, Abysmal on the road this year. One of the weirdest things. I've seven and twenty-seven on the road, which is only better than the Rockets, the Spurs, and it's tied with the Pistons, uh, which is so weird. For, I think for you know that caliber of team and their experience, you know Steph, Draymond, Clay. Of course, they've had their injuries, but that road record is is just really strange. And um, I w- I'm wondering if that will continue into the playoffs. But I think. For them, um, they are in that sixth spot right now, and I think their experience, and I think uh, they will have a little bit of urgency, especially if they get down to last couple of games. I don't think they want to be in that play-in, um, so I think they'll they'll be able to lock up that sixth seed. I think for me, then the four teams that I that I have in is, and it's not super uh, creative looking at the stadiums right now, but for me, the, the four teams I have in or the Timberwolves, Mavericks, Lakers, and Thunder, who are the current four teams. Um, but for me, I, I don't see the Jazz getting in. I think uh, people in their front office are not going to be mad if they – I don't think they'd be mad if they lost the rest of the season. And looking at the remaining strength of schedule, they actually have the hardest strength of schedule left in the NBA. Celtics twice, Bucks, Kings twice, Nuggets, Suns. So they have some tough games. So I think they kind of fall down and I would love to see, I would love to see the Pelicans get there, but they've just been so bad recently without Zion. Um, And I don't, I mean, if they're able to make a little run here, maybe they get Zion back for a couple of those games and maybe they make a push, but if they continue losing, um, I I think they just end up shutting Zion down for the rest of the season and, and don't give themselves much hope there. But I agree with the Lakers. I think that they have been very, very much improved since the trade deadline. Uh, they've also just been so much more fun to watch since the trade deadline. Uh, you know, it's not 
just watching guys take mid-range and three-pointers and miss them. And, and that's not just Russell Westbrook. They had <laughs> they had a lot of guys who, who missed a lot of shots. Uh, but now they have, you know, fun guys like D'Angelo Russell can get hot and Jared Vanderbilt doesn't score a lot, but he is like the all-time hustle player. Um, so I would love to see them get in there. I think, I think um, you know, if they're in that, if they keep themselves steady and they get LeBron back, they could be uh, really tough if they're able to get that seven or eight seed, which right now would be going against, you know, the Kings or, or the Nuggets. And we talked about Jokic's defense right now. What if he's in that first round series having to guard Anthony Davis? Um, that would be tough. So, um, or, or the, or the Kings, like, I feel like the Lakers 100% healthy. That's a, that's a series they win. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think if it, even if it goes to seven games, like I feel like that's a, that's a series they, they can win. I think it's just experience at that point. Like yeah. the Kings have been great this season. They've been amazing offensively, but I think the only person on their team um, who has been in the playoffs, at least high level is Harrison Barnes. And he's not, you know, one of their top guys. So, you know, once you're going up against LeBron James in the playoffs, we know LeBron, if he gets healthy in the playoffs, he's going to take it to another level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we even saw that before he got hurt two years back against the Suns. They had that series. They were up 2-0. Uh, they were, like, dancing on the Suns. They thought they had it. And, you know, who knows, because the Suns ended up making the finals that year. But if they can get healthy at the right time, um, I think the Thunder and – I who I would see getting out of the play-in would be the Lakers and the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks just have too much talent not to. Um, I think the Timberwolves are just a little bit too inconsistent. Um, I think especially with Carl Anthony Towns being out a lot of the season, you know, if he's coming back, it might be a little too late for them to get into their flow of things. And then the Thunder, they're interesting because they could always get hot and they could always you know, make their way in. But I think they might be another team where they're like, well, we got the 10th seed. And it's like, oh, darn, we lost the plan. Now we're in the draft lottery. You know, we have a, a 1% chance to get Victor Wimbanyama. <laughs> you know, we've seen we've seen some crazy lottery things happen before. So, yeah, for me, I think the Warriors stay at six. I think the Lakers can get up to seven with that Kings matchup. I think the the Mavericks could would, would hold on to eight and then, playing teams that would not advance for me would be the the Timberwolves and the Thunder. Um, but with all that being said, no matter what happens, I think it's going to be very fun. It's the reason I, and people have mixed feelings about the plan, but the reason I like it so much is because it makes this last month of basketball so much more meaningful because, you know, there's teams like even right now, the, the trailblazers have fallen off. They're not completely out of it if they get on a winning streak. So they're still trying to get there. Um, there's really only four, five teams in the NBA who are not pushing to get to the play-in. Um, and then there's that additional intrigue of the, that six race too, where you know the Warriors, the Wolves, you know, if the Mavericks get back up there, none of those teams want to be in the play-in. Um, and so, although there's mixed feelings about the play-in, I love it just because it makes this last this last part of the regular season mean a lot. Whereas I think before it was kind of like, you know, once we got into all-star break and things kind of, it's kind of just like biding time to the playoffs, but, 
But now, I mean, these are going to be, and I've there's already been some games that have had playoff like atmospheres, I think. And I mean, David was at that game last night. At least it looked like it was a, a really hyped up crowd for that game. Um, and so I think that's exciting. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the crowd, uh, I'm sure it was fun to be in the crowd when they reversed that and beat, uh, and oh, they were cussing out the referees. (laughs) Yeah, that was a, that was a crazy call. But anyways, we will be excited to see what happens, um, at the end of the season here in the Western conference and in the Eastern conference, excited about all of it. Um, and we will be letting you know our thoughts, uh, as it all happens. So breaking down into our last section real quick, um, We'll just talk about in our game time section, the we'll give our thoughts on best game of, you know, the last couple of weeks since the last time we recorded and then games that we might be very excited to watch in the coming weeks. So for me, oh, go ahead, David. For me, it's uh, anything March Madness related. <laughs> hey, it's good. It's been so good. I mean, we talked about Furman. Um, I'm Sorry. sure there's going to be more upsets coming, coming mm-hmm. down in these next couple of days. So. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Mm. Um, for me, in terms of the best game of the last week, this one was tough, but I went with the Bucks versus Warriors game that happened a little while back. Um, it was Steph Curry's return, and Giannis wasn't in the game, so that was could have been even more fun. Uh, but it ended up going to overtime. Um, the Warriors ended up winning with Steph pretty much just getting hot. And as much as it pains me as a Cavs fan... Sometimes it's so fun sometimes to watch Steph Curry when he is just on fire. Um, so that one I enjoyed. Um, besides, uh, I know David, you got, you probably got the Furman game as your, uh, your best game recently. <laughs> yes. I forgot. I was making it. No, it's okay. We love to see it. It, it might've been the Cavs game if they pulled that off. Cause being there. Oh, yeah, sure 100%. Cool. <laughs> that, that... It was just a lot of fun being there last night. Yeah. And then uh, I think after the call, I think someone actually threw some, like a bottle or something under the court. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't like to see that. But, (laughs) Uh, and then for me, my most exciting, at least, obviously, all those March Madness games coming up, it's going to be tons and tons of fun to see. You know, if Furman can keep up their momentum, if there's going to be some other teams that make a Cinderella run, um, you know, it's it's always a good time. I think for the NBA, I'm going to be excited to watch. Um, it's where did I have it here? The Kings versus Bucks game that's coming up in a couple days. I think that'll just be interesting because the Bucks are one of it, it changes between them, the Grizzlies and the Cavs, but one of the best defenses in the league. The Kings are the best offense. You know, it's an East West, so they don't see each other too often. Um, but I think it could be a really interesting and fun matchup uh, coming up here. Whatever day that is. I don't know. I saw it. It's coming up there this week. Before we get Nick's thoughts real quick, I just happened to think about this. This is the first time since what? Oh, two that the uh, Kings have made it to the playoffs. Yeah. So they're going to break the, now the longest uh, professional sports playoff drought. I believe. I think it was hmm. what, the Mariners, right? Um, and yeah, the Mariners. The uh, uh, Mariners were twenty two thousand one. And I think I don't know if it was their last, but one of the last series the Kings had in the playoffs was the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, 
mm. against Kobe and Shaq's Lakers. That shows how long ago it was. Um, and a lot of Kings fans were not happy with the refereeing in that game. And there was a lot of controversy around, you know, was the NBA oh, yeah. rigging it to get uh, Kobe and Shaq in the finals instead of, you know, the Kings. So if yeah, they end up the being against the biggest argument Lakers, for that is, I think the biggest argument for that conspiracy theory is the fact that the one of the refs, I think one of the main refs actually was convicted of uh, like gam- gambling. Yeah, I think um, Tim Donahue, I think was his name. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a crazy story. <laughs> if, if you don't know about that, look up Tim Donahue and there's a bunch of podcasts and videos about it. Yeah, he was he was like fixing shaving points, fixing games in the NBA for like 20 years. Um, and a lot of people don't know, was he alone in that? He was the only person found guilty, but was he alone? Were there other refs that were a part of it? Mm. We don't know. Um, but Nick, do you have any, uh, you know, first games that you were, that you really enjoyed recently or exciting games coming up? I, I think that, I mean, obviously the, I, I really like the Kings Bulls game. I think that, you know, again, deer and Fox kind of coming in clutch, mm-hmm. There at the end, the the Bulls have had a little bit of a rough season, especially with the recent, you know, Lonzo news. So I think, uh, yeah, but that was still a really good game. I think that's a, it's still a good team. Hopefully they can figure it out. Um, if not, that maybe that's a team that shops their pieces in the off season. Um, as a Cavs fan, Zach Levine would be fun to have. So, <laughs> um, I don't know but, if we'll get that lucky, but no, no, probably, fun. probably not. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think that was probably my game of like, you know, the last couple days. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to uh, the Lakers Mavericks game tomorrow. I think that's a big thing when it comes to seating in the West. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony Davis has to play in that game. Um, and I think depending on who wins that game, I I really do think that that can really shake up where they end up uh, in, in the final four, if they end in the play a tournament at all. So I think at this point, everybody's playing for that sixth seed and uh, the Warriors have shown that they, they're not very consistent on the road. So if somebody could just go on a win streak and win eight of the last 10, um, you know, between the Mavericks and the Lakers with how close everybody is, there's a possibility you could get to that six seed and take it away from the Warriors. So I think that's an yeah. important game. Almost all these games with those, like we discussed, almost all these games with the, with that six, seven teams in there, um, they're all going to be super important coming down the stretch. And uh, I'll mention it real quick. I didn't put it on because it just came out, but I just saw, according to, I think, Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach, or Lonzo Ball is getting another knee surgery and he's suspected to possibly miss all of next season as well with that, which is a huge shame because um, I, I enjoyed kind of what he became after, you know, coming into the league. So highly touted and, you know, his dad talking him up and everything, but he really was one of those guys that made the mold into fitting his role and, really working hard on defense and he got better at shooting and it's just a shame. And when he played for the Bulls, they were one of the top teams in the East before he went down last year and just haven't hit the same mark since then. So I'm hoping all goes well with that. I'm hoping maybe he'll be able to get back at some point next season or or not the season after that. But I did also want to mention, I mixed up my green Eastern conference teams. I meant to say the Sacramento Kings versus Boston Celtics. Um, that's why I couldn't find the game and that's next Tuesday. Um, yes. So I'm excited for that game again. I think the Bucks and Kings actually just played, but the Celtics and, and 
Kings don't play a lot. There's not a lot of like history between a lot of their players, but it's going to be one of those late season games. And I don't know, things might get chippy. And I think either way, it'll be a fun time to watch. But as we said earlier, we are really looking forward to March Madness, everything that it is bringing, the Cinderella stories, the upsets, um, the the bracket uh, smashing that has already happened, I'm sure, for many people. Super looking forward to that. We're looking forward to the end of this chaotic NBA season. Um, and we will be back in a couple weeks to, to let you know our thoughts about how things are at that point. And maybe things look completely different than they do today because that's how the season has gone so far. So uh, thank you guys for, for joining me, David and Nick, for this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Nothing But Dent, presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners. 